Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth bringing you quality hunting clothing in packs at a price you deserve. Check them out at huntworthgear.com. Uh, hope everybody had a great holiday weekend. Hope you got out and did some scouting. I know I did. Um, I actually was able to get my hands on one of the grayling hoodies from Huntworth. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't buy one. I don't possess one. Um, but that thing is freaking awesome and if i can't figure out a way for them to just send me one that is something i'm going to spend my hard-earned money on um definitely worth taking a look at that's that huntworth grayling hoodie with the heat boost fibers woven into it uh definitely something to check out but uh anyways like i say i hope you got out we did some scouting for the patreon hunt uh glassed up some really good bucks found some area uh, swapped out some cameras, learned a valuable lesson in making sure that you have the keys for your cameras um, when you pack up all your stuff. So uh, just something to think about. Again, one of the lessons of what not to do here at the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. But today's podcast, we talked on this when we had the podcast with the Latitude guys. We've went through it a couple different times, but you know, when we go on these, especially right now with these early season hunts and the weather being what it is, um, our nutrition, kind of hydration, all that stuff kind of goes by the wayside. You know, we're eating out of gas stations and, you know, just whatever garbage, Little Debbie snacks, all the go-to oatmeal cream pie type treats. Um and we just kind of let ourselves go. And so I got a chance to talk with uh, some of the guys over at Wilderness Athlete. And the first time I heard about them was with the Train to Hunt uh, back in the day. And they're actually bringing that back. Um, but we talk about, you know, trying to get your, you know, your mind right, set your goals, all of these things for the hunting season. And then kind of morphing that into 
your uh, nutrition and, and kind of that sort of stuff. So a great conversation, not all nerdy with, you know, only about nutrition and all that. Kevin is uh, an avid uh, coos deer hunter down in Arizona. And that's, you know, we talk a lot about that. Uh, we talk a little mule deer. We talk about elk hunting, all of these things. And um, I think you guys are really going to like it. But I think, you know, it's one of those things that we, you know, kind of take for granted. You know, uh, we make fun of the guys that uh, are trying to cut ounces and trying to do all this stuff. And you just say, well, why don't you just lose some weight yourself? Um, easier said than done. So we kind of get into that on this podcast as well. But you know, they've been so gracious. They they sent me some stuff, um, and we get into it about like uh, how does this stuff work for a hangover cure? And uh, coming off of a, a beer festival and uh, running a five k during the holiday weekend, um, I can tell you that uh, some of these products do work really well uh, for getting rehydrated and uh, kind of performing at your best after you know maybe having one or too many uh, sodas. So they're actually going to send us some stuff for our Patreon hunt. Um, so in case you guys go up there, have a couple beers, uh, want to get up early and, and feel refreshed, uh, they're going to hook us up with uh, some stuff for that. But that Patreon hunt is, uh, you know, we went through uh, i camped up there this weekend had a bunch of trailers on the property kind of laid everything out i think we've got it all set really looking forward to it and a new patreon in the mix um austin crawley kinnon out of harrison michigan he just signed up so uh, austin i need your shirt size so i can get your swag pack out send you a shirt stickers koozies all that stuff um but yeah you know 17 cents a day, 33 cents a day, something. If you appreciate what we're doing, Patreon really helps us out, but we're also giving back. So Huntworth is uh, giving one of their Elkins vests, their Casper uh, base layers with the heat boost in there. And then those Ames Bowhunter gloves, great for, um, you know, checking your maps on your phone, uh, using your release, all that sort of stuff. Uh, finger and thumb are free on those. Really excited to, to run those uh, this year uh, so I don't have to cut the fingers off some of those uh, nice Huntworth gloves. But, you know, Huntworth, Spartan Forge, Latitude, Big Shot, Zinger, Kanadi, Lucky Buck, those guys all give away something every quarter because they appreciate what we do. But moreover, we appreciate the people that support the podcast. And with that, Spartan Forge has a 25% off uh, using code BOWHUNTER. You can check that out at spartanforge.ai. And uh, they've got that update coming up real soon. Got a podcast uh, scheduled in October with Bill to kind of go over that. That Blue Force tracker um, is in the works. And the price is great. The imagery is great. That's not even including the AI. So forget about that until we get into the season and say, like, where are these deer going to be going? Where are they going to be heading? You know, looking at all the wind data, all that stuff, uh, great stuff. Latitude, you can co use code BHC for 15% off the entire store. And they do have uh, platforms back in stock. So while supplies last, they do have more platforms. I know people have been clamoring for those. And uh, those guys are down in Kentucky right now. If you're following along with Jake Bush, um, looks like uh, he had an opportunity and kind of got humbled down there in, in Kentucky. I uh, can't wait to hear about that. Big Shot Targets, they got 10% off using code BCP. And that, for me, getting ready with a stick bow, I say it every 
every time now, but that deer decoy based on a real 110 pound deer, um, for sight picture is amazing. So you can check those guys out at big shot targets. But again, we partner with companies that want to see us succeed. We want to see them succeed and we want to make sure that they're giving back to you. Um, so you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash bullhunter chronicles podcast, uh, link on our Instagram website, any of that stuff. Uh, if not, you know, just tell somebody about the podcast. We really appreciate each and every one of you listeners. And as always, enjoy the episode. All right, everybody, Adam back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast and uh, talking today with Kevin Gian from Wilderness Athlete. So um, the first time that I ever encountered anything from Wilderness Athlete um, was through the train to hunt. So, uh, some Tim Buno, uh, Curtis Zobel, a few of the guests that we've had on, um, over the years, um, uh, one, one thing, and we're going to talk about it. Um, so Curtis does, uh, behind the bow. So his cinematography, his films are just incredible, like a super, um, high level, everything, the way he does his films, the way he hunts. Um, and I think if you were to go on their website, if it's still up, like he wrote a blog post after training to hunt, after uh, participating in that and uh, kind of getting his butt kicked. But he really dove hard into the health and wellness and all that stuff. And he was talking about as Midwesterners, as we go into our season, you know, and he's from Wisconsin, we drive around and look for deer all day. And we're, we're living out of gas stations where we're eating just absolute garbage. And then, um, we talked about that when I was down in Ohio with the latitude guys about Alex saying, you know, he usually has a smoothie every morning and all this stuff. And now we're just, you know, eating at the bar and having some drinks and all that stuff. So we're going to talk to Kevin today and kind of figure out how some of this, supplementation, like how much of it's a gimmick, how much of it, um, is, is actually necessary. And then along with that, like, how can we change our nutritional needs, whether it's through supplementation or just like small food choices or whatever, uh, during the season to help us, you know, kind of recover better, be, uh, better hunters and kind of be more on top of our game. Um, but so, uh, with all of that, uh, how are you doing today, Kevin? I'm doing great, Adam. Yeah, thanks for having me on. We're uh, we're super busy around here these days, so that's you know pretty pretty common for the hunting industry this time of year. It's kind of like our our Super Bowl, so to speak. Um, and you know, and we have uh, a couple of other sister companies that we work in our that you know all of the same team outdoorsmen and Western hunters. So it's a lot going on around here, all hands on deck. But uh, I'm great, man. Feeling good, uh, ready for. My, the first hunt of my season isn't for, you know, some time. I might get out for over-the-counter archery here in Arizona in a, in a week or so, but I don't have an actual tag. I'm going to Kodiak in November, and then I've got a rifle deer tag here in Arizona in December. So um, it's kind of hurry up and wait for me right now. So for that, um, do do you like draw straws working in a, in an outdoors company of uh, like that for, you know, being in Arizona, you think of it as a, a, a trophy elk state, but you know, go, you shoot going to Kodiak and then, uh, you know, rifle yeah. elk tag and stuff like that. But 
not mm-hmm. having a tag until December? Is it like, okay, well now Kevin has to work all of September while we get to hunt or, or how does that work there? Uh, no, we have a really great, um, you know, environment here. I, it, to be honest with you, we all actually have unlimited vacation. Uh, everybody in both all of our companies has unlimited vacation. Caveat to that is, you know, you've got to get your job done. You've got to communicate with your teammates, uh, plan your schedules. So there's no gaps and holes. And, you know, what, what that whole, uh, approach does is it really just puts the, the responsibility on you to make sure that the job's getting done. Um, if you want to take off for two or three weeks in the fall, fine, but make sure your ducks in a row and you plan accordingly with who's covering your job responsibilities and making sure there's coverage on phones for certain businesses. Um, with wilderness athlete, uh, specifically, um, you know, it hasn't really been that big of an issue. We, you know, we have a really awesome team. We all wear a lot of hats. And the beauty of that is that we can cover each other and and make sure the job's getting done. Um, almost all of us can do someone else's job with the expectation of, you know, some specialized things, uh, graphic design and things of that nature. But, um, you know, we all just, we work pretty tightly together. We all take a lot of ownership over the, the, the work we do and the products and the, the company that we run. So, it, it, we don't really have to worry too much about like shifts, you know, we just, we communicate, we plan and we just make it happen. So this time of year in, in Arizona, like what is it like to get a tag? We talked about this a little bit before, like for a resident versus non-resident, because for us, you know, it might be 10 years to get a, a, a trophy unit 20 years, you know, some, sometimes, uh, and I was just talking yeah. to somebody who, who drew a tag somewhere like that, New Mexico, maybe it was Arizona, but it, it was, mm-hmm. it was 20 years and he figured that he had $2,500 into points to just get to that. So what is it yeah. like for a resident? Uh, I mean, it's better, but not a whole lot better when you're talking about elk hunting. You know, I mean, I talk to guys, uh, every year, residents, lifelong residents, who are still in that 10 to 15 point range and they haven't drawn that tag they want. Um, and it, it's getting even more challenging, you know, because the number of non-residents and residents that are applying for these hunts is increasing every year. So, um, you know, elk is definitely kind of, uh, I would say elk and, and antelope and obviously sheep, but those are just kind of the outliers when it comes to like, those those tags that take uh, either a lot of luck or just a lot of points to draw, you know, the good units with elk. There's, there are some great opportunities if you're willing to do um, if you're willing to hunt, not in the rut. Like if you want to hunt late season with a bow, which is pretty challenging in a lot of ways, it takes a lot of scouting, a lot of work, a lot of boot boot time. Um, But those tags can be had with much more reasonable points. Um, That's actually the only tag I've ever had. I I drew it with three points. It was a, so it's like mid late November. So bulls are not rutting. Um, the hunt's incredibly weather dependent. Um, and you're essentially hunting them like you would be hunting deer, but it's, uh, it's still, it's a chance to get in the field, you know, you know, have a tag in your pocket. So if, if you're one of those guys who's got the preparation and you've got the skill and the, and the, and the nuts to go do it, then it's it, the opportunities are there for sure. So if it's that tough, difficult, of a hunt and you know, the prime time 
tags are, are difficult to draw. What other hunting opportunities are there for you in Arizona? Or is that why you're traveling out of state? No, no, uh, there's a lot. I mean, so for deer, um, one of the biggest, uh, I think the, the most attractive things about Arizona, which is no secret these days, um, is our over the counter seasons, um, for archery deer. Um, you, we've got, you know, August that it starts late August goes into like mid September. That's one season that's all over the counter archery deer, uh, picks up again in late December. Um, and then all of January pretty much is open too for the, for the following year. So it's really advantageous for archery hunters. Um, this, I think it was last year, they, maybe a year before that, they, uh, began a quota though. So there are units and every unit has a quota. And once a certain number of deer are killed in that unit, um, the units shut down. So it definitely puts more, uh, restrictions on not restrictions but you know you find some units that are really high deer density units and you get a lot of guys of course that are hunting those units you get a lot of guys that are shooting little fork and horn deer and those quotas get met really fast um so it, it just kind of depends on what units you're hunting but the the opportunity is still there so you know if you can have, absolutely still get out we've got awesome like javelina hunts every year you can do with your bow and rifle um, great bird hunting too. So, I mean, it's a very game rich state and a lot of opportunity in the state. I think that the state department does a really good job, uh, in my opinion of making sure there is opportunity out there for, you know, all different demographics and species and such. And so is that, uh, over the counter deer tags? And I'm assuming that's mule deer. And, and coos deer and whitetail. Yeah. And not all units are open, um, during that most you are, most are, but, there are certain units that are not open um, for the over-the-counter season. However, um, there are some units you probably don't want to go hunt at this time of year because in August, uh, shit, even early September, you're bound to be hunting in 105 to 115 degree uh, days with monsoons and rattlesnakes. And uh, it, it's it's definitely not a, a, a hunt for the faint of heart. So you know, typically the guys that are the most successful are the guys that have put in some time scouting. They don't have to waste a lot of time out there. Um, but yeah, it's all over the counter for archery and you can do coos deer or mule deer. And then in your, uh, area there, like mm-hmm. latitudally, longitudinally, whatever, uh, where, where you fall, like where does the rut kick in, um, for, for deer? And then is it the same for elk as it would be like saying Colorado? Um, you know, it seems to be a moving target from, and I don't claim to be an expert on this. I, it, it seems like, you know, the rut, when you're looking at deer, it's always in that January timeframe. Uh, it seems some years you will see some early rut activity typically from mule deer sometimes. Uh, again, it's always kind of moving target, but you know, typically you're always looking at that January timeframe, sometimes late January, sometimes it's really late January before, uh, the rut gets going. I've seen that happen a few years ago. You know, we, I was hunting in like mid January and I thought, man, we're going to be in the thick of seeing bucks rutting and you, you didn't see it. You know, it just wasn't going on. And just from what I was hearing from guys, it, it was late, whether that be moon cycles, weather conditions, weather patterns. Um, there's a lot of different, uh, voodoo and things that go on with that. Um, elk, um, I know in the last, I think last year and the year before that too, a lot of guys were saying they're very late 
uh, starting in the rut, but you're looking at September, you know, for sure is maybe late August at the earliest. But I think last year we, I was hearing a lot of guys say that the rut hadn't really kicked in until mid September, which, um, you know, is not, not ideal for a lot of guys, you know, when you set a chunk of time to be in the field for a week and maybe that's the rut doesn't really start until like the last day of your hunt. So, um, it, you know, that's, but that's what, that's why it's, it's hunting, man. You know, I mean, we can't fit our watches to some of these things for sure. Well, I just think for us in, in the Midwest, we always think of, you know, our rut being, you know, November. So like, as mm-hmm. you would think, okay, uh, everybody that elk hunts is like, okay, is it September yet? Is it September yet? Like for, mm-hmm. for the, for the whitetail hunter in the Midwest, it's November. And then as you get down further South, you know, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, it's, it's in that January time frame, um, stuff like right. that. Yeah. And especially it's interesting for you to say that about mule deer. And I guess it would be different if you were, um, hunting them with a rifle than a bow, I would, I would assume. Cause showing my like complete lack of understanding of mule deer hunting, um, everything that it seems like that I've ever seen is early season, like spot and stock mule deer hunting. So that does not line up with like rut hunting, you know, that, that would be like the worst thing ever. Right. Cause if you're going to, yeah. you're going to, you're going to go across the drainage. I mean, unless he's, he's, uh, locked down with a doe or something, you know, these deer, white tailed deer anyway, are completely just moving all over. So with, with, uh, with a mule deer, how does that work? Uh, you know, and I, I can't speak from a guy who has a ton of experience hunting mule deer. Uh, I, ever since I've lived in Arizona, coos deer are really what I've, what I've always wanted to hunt. Um, I've spent a fair amount of time around mule deer and, uh, like black tailed deer out in the West, uh, like in the coast. Um, and they behave pretty similarly. Uh, they're definitely, I mean, white tail, like coos deer are far more cryptic. You know, they're just, they're a lot more, uh, precarious about the decisions they make, um, when they come out to feed and where they drink and, watering and, and patterning deer, uh, whitetail deer is much, uh, much harder than mule deer. Mule deer tend to stick to their routines, their patterns. Uh, they're just a bit more bold. Um, they do move around a hell of a lot more mule deer, uh, migrate and they travel in their corridors and their general routines, a, a great deal more in distance. Whereas whitetail, um, you know, famously, live in a very very small home range but you're also talking about a deer that's half the size um and they're also able to just basically curl up underneath a bush and disappear i mean we call them the gray ghost for a reason because you could be looking at them one second and they take a step and a half in one direction and you just can't see them they're just very very uh clever that way um i i personally enjoy hunting whitetail because they're just such a challenge to even find with your glass and they're such a cool animal to watch i mean nothing against mule deer they're they're awesome too but uh they're they're a little bit more of a they're just a uh i don't know i it's hard to i don't want to like they're, they're just they're just a little bit more bold and they they tend to give you that opportunity for a bit longer um there's you know, you'll, you'll tend to find mule deer in bigger herds too, you know, bigger groups. So they, they can be a bit easier to find in that regard. But by that same token, if you're archery hunting uh, or even rifle hunting in some circumstances, that makes it more challenging. You've got eight times, 10 times as many pairs of eyes looking at you and picking up all your movements. Whereas 
you know, coos deer, you've got a lonely buck or just one or two deer, um, you know, you don't have as many eyes and ears and, and noses to contend with. So um, they definitely both have their, their trade-offs. And as, as you would imagine, especially in Arizona, like you get people that are just diehard coos deer hunters and they love to give a hard time to guys who are shooting mule deers and then vice versa. So it's, it's really just about what you enjoy spending your time doing. The type of country you hunt them in is, uh, can be different too. Mule deer tend to be in more of the low flat rolling hill grounds and coos deer you can find in some of the gnarliest, rockiest stuff. So, um, it's definitely a trade-off. Yeah. I I really haven't. And I, when you had mentioned like, uh, just the deer hunting, I think, you know, white-tailed deer, mule deer, black-tailed deer, and then like coos deer, I don't even think registered us here in the in the Midwest is like a, a real thing. I should, call, <laughs> I should just call it a West, a Western whitetail. That's yeah. what, I mean, that's what it is. It really is. And they are essentially just a miniaturized version of, you know, the white, you know, the, the more the whitetail you guys are used to seeing in the Midwest. Um, cause I mean, deer, you guys shoot, they get pretty damn big, right? I mean, you can see them in the, in the winter, 300 pounds. Sometimes I've heard. Uh, that would be, I think more in like the, like Canada stuff. I mean, like Mm-hmm. My dad's killed one in the UP of Michigan here, that was the Upper Peninsula, that was like 200 pounds dressed after it hung for seven days. Um, wow. I, I've killed them that was like 187 after a couple of days hanging mm-hmm. dressed. But when you get up to like like Maine and like up in those northern like big woods areas, those those guys are looking for those 300-pound deer, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, most, uh, I mean, our deer are bigger than Florida deer, Texas deer, as far as body wise and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I've never shot yeah. anything like 300 pounds, but when you, when yeah. you shoot one, that's 200 pounds. That's, that's a lot. And it's interesting. That's my bro- my brother's killed uh mule deer out in South Dakota. That was like over 200. And he said mm-hmm. just body size, body type is just way different than, you know, even what we're used yeah. to seeing here. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of see that same trend all over the, um, you know, the, the country, obviously the further South you get, the warmer climate you get and tends to be the smaller body size that, you know, is characteristic of the, of the species there. So, um, it has to do with heat dispersion and, and their ability to, you know, manage those temperatures and that climate. So, um, you know, in general, like the, the animals of the deer we see here tend to be a, a magnitude or, or two smaller than what you see as you go north. Um, I mean, I think the first first and second whitetail uh, coos deer that I shot here in Arizona were, um, I mean, when I got up to them, I was like, holy shit, that's a small deer. You know, I mean, they were mature deer and all that. But um, the second one I shot, actually, I mean, if I had to guess on the hoof, he was maybe 105 pounds um you know and uh i mean you know from from nose to to ass about yay big you know and um but you know full representation of of a mature animal uh it's a nice three by three it was um a great looking deer gorgeous i mean they're very pretty deer they just they're small and so yeah like when you see them up close you do realize like Man, no wonder it took me forever to find these things. It just they can crawl under a bush, literally, and and you won't see them. That's wild. I, I don't know. It, it's you know when 
around here, you like, you look at deer and, and, you know, even through the woods, like I remember being a kid watching deer and then you'd see one and you're like, man, that's a really long deer. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. rack would pop up and you're like, okay, now, now we're talking. You can look at like the noses on these deer too, to see just how like the, the size, sure. um, it's, it's pretty crazy. But like, I, again, I don't think that here in the Midwest, like we even register coos deer as like a, like a, a target species, yeah. unless you're like some sort of crazy, you know, you know, trying to, trying to check off a list of, of big game animals yeah. or something like that. Um, so yeah. what are you going to, no, uh, Kodiak for, what are you hunting up there? Uh, Sitka blacktail. Yeah. We're uh, going to hunt on Kodiak Island. Um, we're it's, I'm, I'm super excited. It's been a bucket list hunt for, for me for, for years. Um, so it's, it's a float type of hunt where we're going to be on a, you know, basically a, a yacht, so to speak in the bay. And then we get taken off onto the Island every day on a skiff, uh, on all day, as long as we can. Um, and you know, my understanding too, from like my father-in-law and all the other guys I know that I'm going with that have hunted there several times before the Sitka deer. I mean, they are very like similar in body size, you know, they're not like these very, you know, dominant sized deer, but, um, just because of the lack of predators they have on that Island, you know, obviously just Kodiak, like, like bears are like their only predator really. And hunters, they, uh, they're not nearly as like skittish. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited. It's, it's going to be a, an adventure, like the whole, the whole thing, like the traveling to get there, dealing with the world's, some of the world's largest bears, um, being on the same Island as them um, hunting in Alaska for me for the first time, it's all going to be a pretty awesome adventure. That's pretty wild. I, I don't know. I was just telling somebody yesterday about like why they they were like, Oh, I want to hunt Alaska. I want to do this. And I'm like, I think, I think I would go there to hunt. Like I've seen these guys that do it. Um, some, some kind of like local guys. One of the guys shoots for bear. Um, he's a Michigan guy. Um, he, they go up there and they shoot moose with the, with traditional gear. And, uh, oh, cool. and, and bears, they like walk up and down the creeks and shoot these, uh, black bears that, you know, 10 yards or something like that. Like, I think that would be super cool. We were talking about like, would you want to do like a $30,000 sheep hunt or something like that? And I mean, I don't know. I, I think our, um, uh, listener, I think our, um, I don't know, maybe our egos um, are like, okay, we want to do, you know, public land. We want to try and do things like the quote unquote hard way, make it harder or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can tell you, I did a, a first rifle elk hunt in Colorado, like where he mm-hmm. went through an outfitter, uh, did a spike camp and, and went in on horseback and they just dropped us off. I hunted the first four days of the hunt with my bow and I didn't even bring a rifle. I told them I'm just going to borrow somebody's rifle that kills an elk and I'm going to kill one on the last day. Um, and that's what I did. It was, it was really fun. I, I enjoy like a backpack elk hunt and like, I would love, we, we've not killed an elk that way. We've, um, yeah, we've, we've encountered elk, uh, but just haven't been successful. And mm-hmm. uh, that camp, that experience, you know, like 
you can completely throw like the ego and all that other stuff out of the way if you just really enjoyed the hunt, you know? And so I'm, sure. I'm, I'm excited for you to go out there and do that. And especially with family and stuff like that, that's going to be, yeah, that's yeah. going to be great. Yeah. No. And I'm, I'm on the same page as you. I mean, we don't, we don't do outfitted hunts. We don't do guided hunts. Um, this isn't an outfitted hunt. Uh, we, you, we you just do have hire a yacht the, uh, or what? <laughs> it's a, no. So it's a, uh, transporter. So they're, they're transporters. They're not guides. They literally can't tell you anything about where good deer hunting is or anything like that. Their only job is to take you from that boat to the island to go hunt. But once you're on the island, you're entirely on your own. I mean, there is definitely a bit of the, you know, they, they cook for you on the yacht and all that. Um, I guess years ago, uh, a few years ago, when Chris went on the island for the first time for this hunt, they camped on the island. And I wouldn't really want to have any part of that sleeping along, uh, you know, 1200 pound bears, um, that are, that doesn't sound uh, all that fun to me. So sleeping on a yacht seems a lot more comfortable. We can do some duck hunting and a little bit of fishing while we're on the boat too. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be super cool. It's going to be unlike anything I've ever done because everything else we do and everything else I've done is very much, uh, DIY, like what you said, you know, uh, it's all public land type hunting. Um, and we make sure that, you know, and I think it kind of makes those moments where you do get to go get treated pretty nice on a hunt like that. It makes it even more special because you're used to doing everything your damn self and doing it the hard way. So it's, it's, it's kind of nice to spoil yourself every now and then. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. So we, as you're going out there and we're talking about, you know, your 115 degree heat and stuff in Arizona. Um, I think if guys are listening to this right now and they're, they're saying, okay, well, um, I'm about ready to go for my uh, elk hunt. This is what I'm, I probably should get my button gear. Uh, they're, they're too late. Right. So for, for that, you know, we automatically think of like Midwest guy going out West, Oh, I need to train. I need to do this. Um, when we see these, uh, train to hunt events and stuff like that, you know, there's a big narrative around like Midwest guys. I would say that unless you're going out West, like you don't have to be in shape to kill whitetail deer, you know, and a lot of the, especially Michigan, just got to get my buck guy, uh, rifle hunter, just go to the stand every day, drink a whole bunch of beer, you know, get up in the morning, maybe yeah. don't get up in the morning, maybe just hunt the evenings, you know, deer camp type stuff. Like you don't have to be in shape to do that. You don't have to, uh, train. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that that's the, the narrative we, we think of all the supplementation, all of this stuff, um, for the elk hunter, for the Western hunter, for the, you know, we're going yeah. out to even, uh, even your Alaska hunt, I would say like, if you're going to spend a bunch of money, take a bunch of time and you're going to go, but I think we take the, that for granted from a, mm -hmm. from a whitetail hunter standpoint. Um, and even like with me, you know, traveling out of state to go hunt a week in Ohio or, you know, this year is going to be Kansas, stuff like that. I don't, right. I'll buy all the gear. I'll spend all the time, you know, scouting and trying to make my hunt successful. And then I'll just eat like absolute garbage and not right. plan for uh, any of that. And after three, four, five days, especially depending on how far away you are from where you're hunting, how far you're going back. Right. It, it just drains you and you just feel like terrible. So what mm -hmm. can we do 
to either a maybe change our mindset as Midwestern hunters and say, Hey, uh, you know, some of this stuff maybe is important and B like, how can we either change our diet or supplement our diet of, you know, fudge rounds and, uh, hot dogs from the gas station, breakfast pizza, um, to, to make us feel better, uh, as we're hunting. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, let's start with the mindset. Uh, part of it. And because I think that's a super important part. It's, you know, it's incredibly important. And it's something I talk to people about near constantly, because that, um, like what you're talking about with kind of the mindset between the Midwestern guy and then the the Western guy, um, it's, a, it's a lot of misinformation and a misconception. Um, and I'm going to forget the statistic, but we early in the days of wilderness athlete, um, you know, it started, we started in the Midwest, uh, Mark Paulson, who's founded this company started, he started it in Minnesota and he's a Midwestern guy. Um, and in the early days, I mean, we're a 20 year old company, Western hunting, like the way we know it now, wasn't nearly as well developed as the Midwestern market. I mean, there's just far more hunting tags and, uh, states and land and everything in the Midwest. So, we dealt with it a lot more often, but there, the, the statistic that I was thinking of always stuck with me. And it had to do with the number of men who are suffering heart attacks on opening day of deer season, uh, in Midwestern States, not because they had to climb up some crazy mountain or because they had to, um, keep up with a, a rutting elk or anything like that. Um, but literally the shock to the system that was happening when, you did shoot a deer and then have to drag it, even if it was only a couple hundred yards out of the, out of the woods. Um, if you've ever dragged anything dead weight, that's one of the hardest things to do. But when you looked at the type of person that was suffering these heart attacks, it was kind of emblematic of the way a lot of the, a lot of, a lot of people, and I'm not going to say nowadays, but at the time, or maybe even still presently are living is very sedentary, not having much conditioning. Uh, the heart doesn't get stressed too often. Um, there really isn't, uh, much structure around diet and exercise, but then all of a sudden opening day, adrenaline's pumping, you shoot a deer and now you got to drag that thing and your heart rate, which has probably rarely raised above 150 is now 180 plus. Um, and depending on your conditioning and your age and all that, that's where a lot of guys are having heart attacks and that's improved. You know, there's a lot more, uh, thought and intention and uh, awareness these days with uh, even, you know, folks all over the damn country with how to take care of yourself and how to eat better. Um, but I think the idea that just because you're hunting in flat ground and you're sitting in a tree stand and um, you're not climbing mountains means that you don't need to be in good shape. Uh, just you're missing an opportunity because what we, you know, obviously our company, we're, we're positioned as we want people to take their health seriously. I mean, what we think is that the most important piece of equipment that any of us own is our own bodies. Uh, we can have the nicest bow, best binoculars, best rifle, best, best clothes and pack. But if we can't go when we need to go, then what the hell's the point? You know, what does it all mean? If you can't make that shot because you can't even hold still or you're out of breath or you don't feel good. Um, none of it makes a difference. Um, and then on the other side, the way I think about it, uh, the way I look about it, what, what motivates me on a pretty constant basis is just the idea that I know if I take care of myself now and I put in a little bit of effort now, 
I'm going to get two, three, four, five more hunting seasons out of my life. Uh, I love hunting more, more than damn anything else in my life. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners do too. Um, and you know, you've all met people whose hunting careers get cut short, really short, whether it's because their, their knees fail them because they've been spending years carrying around too much weight. Uh, they start having health complications, um, that get expensive and you just don't feel good enough to go out and be in the wilderness. Um, or God forbid something worse happens, some, you know, very catastrophic medical event. So it's always about, you know, adding longevity to my life, adding longevity to my lifestyle. I want to be able to, I, I just had a, a 10 month old, I have a 10 month old girl and I, I don't know yet if she's going to grow up to be a hunter or not, but if she, if she is, I want to spend as much time as is humanly possible uh, in the outdoors with her. And so whether, whether you're in the West or you're in the Midwest or the East coast, you know, those are things we can't escape, uh, it's time. So, uh, in, but we all can do something about the amount of the quality of our life and the quality of time that we have. Um, so losing, losing weight, you know, making your, your, you know, conditioning, your heart conditioning, your legs, all that kind of stuff makes a difference. Um, but you know, I think to your other question, which is really a great question because I know a lot of people, um, you know, you always kind of get stuck where it's like, well, where do I get started? You know, where do I, how do I change the routines I'm in or the lifestyle that I've been living for a long time? It can be overwhelming. Um, the, the way I look at it, and I, I have this conversation with, with people a lot in my personal life, people that need some advice, uh, customers that call, um, this is not a event like, um, getting in shape uh, for hunting this it's not an event and i think our culture we've really gotten swept away with this mindset that like we do this short program and then we'll be good for beach season we do this short program we'll lose the weight uh this is a lifestyle and so we don't need to go from 0 to 100 really quick we need to make incremental lasting changes one day at a time and really start to wrap our minds around the idea that living a healthier lifestyle making better dietary choices uh, making the decision to engage in some form of activity routine, whether it's just walking around the neighborhood or maybe lifting weights again. Uh, that's not like something we're just going to do for a short period of time. So we feel better this hunting season. That's just something we're going to do for the rest of our life. That's our lifestyle. And the longer we can do that, the more consistency we can have with that, the, it becomes this really healthy cascading effect where you just, you start to make better decisions, not because they're hard, but because you choose to. You know you feel better when you eat good food, nutritious food. You know you feel better in, when it comes to stress and energy when you exercise every day. Um, and it becomes more effortless. Um, so, you know, I guess the high-level answer to that question is where do we get started when we want to improve the way we feel? Um, get started with making one decision better today than you made yesterday and there's always that opportunity whether it's what you're eating or uh, if, if you're standing at your desk versus sitting all day or if you decide to go for a walk after dinner or before you go to work or doing some push-ups or maybe you're a guy and I work out every day and I eat pretty damn good well good for you but I guarantee you there's probably something you could do better and um, if you're that guy you know you've already got a lot of things figured out but most people don't. Most people are kind of stuck. And the longer you stay stuck, and I, I, I've been there too. Everyone, I've been there. It, it, it can be pretty debilitating to feel that way. But you just got to start with one thing 
and and then two things and just keep going and pretty soon you look back and you realize you've made some pretty awesome changes but let's say that i am that guy and i'm super healthy and i work out all the time and i'm just like but now i go to like <laughs> a perfect example is this kansas hunt like when i'm looking at these areas in kansas like when i looked on the kansas um website for like their dnr and it was like this is your unit it said this mm-hmm. this unit is the this is this city is going to be the biggest city in your unit because it has a super walmart and mm-hmm. so when you're looking at you know the 50 mile radius or whatever your major metropolis is the super Walmart. So I've heard you talk about it on other podcasts where you're like, okay, so you're a business guy and you go back and forth to work and all this stuff. And you're eating bad food because it's convenient because it's time, because that's what you're, what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Now you're in a situation where you're out there and you're, you're, you could, you could say the same thing about elk hunting, I guess, but it's like whatever you have in your vehicle is like what you're going to eat. Or when you stop for fuel, that's where you're restocking, uh, you know, your, your choice. So your choices on healthy, uh, decisions there can be pretty slim. Um, but on the other podcast that we, we had with, uh, the latitude guys, you know, Alex was saying like, we need to bring stuff for smoothies or something. Cause he's like, I just always feel yeah. like garbage. And I just wonder yeah. from like a, a vitamin or like a mic micronutrient standpoint, like what can we be doing better? Um, oh, right. Yeah. You know, to, to, to feel better, to not to feel like garbage oh, sure. every time. Yeah. One of the things that I love to do when I have long road trips packed, um, love and hate, I should say, uh, is I pack a big tub or two tubs of our meal replacement shake. Um, and also I'll bring like our green infusion, which is a, uh, it's a powder, uh, that is packed with phytonutrients. Each scoop has six servings of fruits and vegetables in it also has some probiotics in it. Um, and then the, the meal replacement shake gives you 200 calories, a uh, really good balance of protein, carbs, and fat. Um, and you know, when you're on the road or you're in camp or you're, you know, what have you going to work, um, it's a much healthier alternative than your average gas station, uh, fast food type stuff. Um, and I, and I think the bigger point is, you got to start looking at your food choices and everything you put in your body with the question and the caveat, how is this going to give me energy? Um, how does this propel me? You know, what is, is this just calories for calories sake or how quality are these calories? How are these going to help me get to where I'm going? Um, and so when you start kind of focusing on the nutritional value of what you're eating, um, it, it becomes a little bit more clear that, making decisions based on uh, the quality and not the convenience or the, just the sheer presence of food. Um, that's, that's the better way to go. Um, we make a lot of really awesome products that I think can help in those situations. Um, like I said, our meal replacement shake, our green infusion is awesome. Um, it's a great way to balance a, a good, healthy gut microbiome. Uh, really good digestive health is really what that's going to help with. Um, you know, micronutrients are incredibly important because when you're eating fast food or you're eating protein bars from the gas station or anything that's really a convenience food, 
you can pretty much guarantee that the micronutrient quality of that food is all but all but robbed. Um, you know, the micronutrients when I'm talking about like minerals, uh, vitamins, um, all of those things that really are tough to even get out of a lot of vegetables these days because most of our soil has been over harvested and we don't have a whole lot of soil nutrients these days. Um, so a good multivitamin is always a great way to kind of fill in those gaps. Um, you know, and I think these become things that people have been talked to and you hear people tell you about multivitamins for years and, uh, there's a lot of misinformation out there and there's a lot of crappy multivitamins out there. There's a little snake oil. Um, multivitamins can be great. Um, you know, it really depends on the absorption rate of how well you're able to absorb what's in there. Um, but ultimately what you're going to be receiving from that type of routine of getting those quality macronutrients and filling in those micronutrients is healthy energy. Uh, and really what that becomes is not just like energy, like caffeine energy, but, you know, better mental acuity, uh, better recovery period, uh, more focus, you're sharper mentally, you sleep better, uh, your metabolism's working better. Um, so you're manufacturing your own energy at a more efficient rate, which I think is, I'm always astonished how, how, how many people in this country are, get so comfortable with feeling pretty shitty. They don't realize how good they could feel but they've felt this way, eating this way, living this way for so long that operating down here at this level of energy and having this roller coaster of insulin spike and, and crash, that's just normal. And so they, they just expect that they don't expect more. Um, you give someone like that a healthier routine of diet and maybe a little exercise, but even just diet, um, you it, it's it's awesome to see the light switch turn on and realize how good you can feel when you don't feel bloated you don't struggle to digest everything that you eat and you don't feel like taking a nap after every meal that you've overconsumed. um so it, yeah the decisions when you're traveling for a hunt or whatever really what it comes down to is planning that's where we suffer we don't plan you know if we don't plan what we're going to eat and how we're going to eat and what we're going to eat then you are uh going to be a slave to convenience and you're going to be a slave to the, the, the gas station. Um, but when it comes to like Walmart, man, like I'm not, I'm no, I, I love Walmart. Like I was, I went to a super Walmart last, last week and bought a bunch of stuff. You can still shop very well and do very well for yourself at a Walmart. You just got to shop smart, uh, shop at the perimeter of the store, you know, then the produce and the, the meats and the dairies, um, once you start going down those middle aisles and you're going to see all the processed carbs, the processed sugars, the high preservative foods, um, the nutritional quality, uh, goes down and, and not saying there's nothing in there that isn't, isn't, you know, viable, but in general, if you try to spend most of your time shopping, uh, your, your meats, your vegetables and things of that nature, you know, you'll be okay. So you mentioned something in there. So we're, I'm going to dive into that is the, the snake oil, right? So mm -hmm. everybody here, like, it doesn't matter if it's, um, if we're talking about tree stands or, uh, saddles or arrows or whatever, um, everybody wants like the miracle. This is going to kill me this deer. This is going to be this, this guy does it. And, you know, everybody says, okay, well, if you're, if you're chasing weight, you should just lose some weight and then you'll 
be better and you'll be stronger and all yeah. that stuff. Uh, but from a, from a snake oil standpoint, it's really hard, I think, to, you know, because every – so uh, I'm, trying, I'm trying to dance around this a little bit, but, like, I feel like there's, you know, uh, every – influencer out there has this you know greatest thing ever and whether especially like man if you were in like the the fitness or the crossfit space and you're looking at these guys and like this is what i take this is the greatest thing it's it's the best but it might not be the best for uh johnny on the couch you know midwest hunter like maybe he doesn't need you know tons of creatine and all sorts of other things um you know to kind of do what we're talking about. And then twice, twice now, um, I've been to like these like nutrition shacks or like these people who like make these protein shakes and all this stuff for you. And it seems like everything that is in there is like herbal life stuff, which I think is like a pyramid scheme, like a (laughs) multi-level company. And I don't know if it's good or not, but it just, that's the way that it reads to me as like, um, uh, sure. in Amway. So I've heard you talk right. and I, I've, I've actually seen it and it's been marketed to me. Like if I wanted to have like my own line of supplements and if you were to look at like, uh, what the four hour work week, I mean, that's what Tim Ferriss says is like, get yourself a, a subscription based consumable company yeah. and, and let it run. It's just that easy, you know, just, just do that. And so right. there are white label, like you said, uh, supplements out there where everything is the same and I just slap my mm-hmm. face on it and I'm like, this is the bow hunter Chronicles, you know, right. k- killer creatine. Like it's the best, you know, whatever <laughs> make some money right. or not, but it's the same as, you know, Kevin's creatine over here and his is the best sure. and it's all just the same stuff re yeah. relabeled. So as you're looking at this stuff, whether it's wilderness athlete or, you know, there are a whole bunch of other ones that have way more marketing that have like a bro culture around them. Um, even in the hunting space, like when you're looking at it, what is it that you should be looking for or what differentiates them? Sure. Uh, great question. I mean, it's, that's kind of, uh, at the, at the core of my job, uh, in a, in a sense, um, because it's something that, uh, is very confusing for customers. You know, I don't blame you or anybody for feeling kind of just like this, this dilemma of like, well, what the hell? I, I, I don't like what I'm seeing here. How does this feel different from what they're saying? And you, you, de- you definitely don't like the image that every certain brand influencer is, is putting out there. Um, the short answer to your question is to really, I think me personally is, is to dig into, and, and I know when I say dig, a lot of people are like, come on, man, I don't have time to dig into all the research for every company. I just want to be able to be able to trust what I'm buying. And I get that. Um, but it, it is something that I think to take seriously when you're talking about something you're going to put in your body, if you're going to talk about a bow or, you know, a, a camo company, you know, I don't know how much you need to trust it. You can see it, but when you're talking about something you're putting into your body and there's all sorts of processes and effects that happen internally, uh, I think it's worth a little bit of research and digging into and asking some questions, you know, at least asking questions and, and thinking about what it is that you're putting in your body. I always want to look at who is behind these, who are behind 
who's behind the company uh, and can I trust them? And do they have anything to lose? Like, what do they have to lose? Um, like the, this very low barrier of entry um, environment of the supplement space, which is as you described, you know, it really these days doesn't take a whole lot to start your own supplement company other than the capital to, you know, purchase the LLC, get someone to do some graphic designing on a label um, and make a, a purchase order. You know, there's there's not a whole lot of uh, skill needed beyond just money and some marketing uh, talent or marketing knowledge. Um, there is a lot of products out there that are available for people to buy. And whether they're uh, good products or safe products, that's a different question. But I think you've got to look at who's behind them. Um, and I can only speak right now, if I'm talking about wilderness athlete, um, look at the people who founded this company, look at the people who formulate these products, um, look at the people who are behind these products and the reputations that, and I'm not talking about our influencers. I'm not talking about people who we sponsor and have been a part of our company for a long time. I'm talking about like Mark Paulson, who founded this company and Rick Sheckenbach, who has, who's our formulator, who's, who's been one of the foremost formulators in, in the nutrition space for uh, decades. Um, and then Dr. Harry Proust, who is, what was the chair of our, our research and formulation board. He passed away two weeks ago. Um, but he's one of the most, uh, published, um, doctors in terms of medical researchers, clinical lab researchers in the nutrition space. Uh, if you just Google him, you'll be kind of overwhelmed with the amount of research that he's conducted on different nutrients, uh, bodily functions and things of that nature. Um, my point is you begin to see like, well, there's some, there's some people with a lot of career and a lot of reputation putting their name behind this stuff and what we formulate, what we develop, what we put forward, um, is a representation of that. Um, we do a ton of testing. We do a lot of testing, not only in like what we put into our ingredients and how it makes us feel, but like testing just in terms of like the actual quality of the ingredients that we're using. Those are like, and most people are going to probably hear that and be like, well, that's a, that's a lot of, a lot of work to do. Um, and then this is kind of the, where it, where I'm going to speak out of two sides of my mouth. As much as I want every like person in the world and hunter to look at wilderness athlete as the supplement and the product for them. I know that that's just not the case. And if our brand and our brand and like our, our products don't resonate with you and they don't motivate you to get your ass off the couch and don't motivate you to put in the work then. And if there's somebody else that does, that's important and you should do what, what, you know, what, what's working for you. Um, there are products, you know, I don't want people to take things that are unsafe. And so you, you got to kind of do your own research and label reading to make sure what's in it is what they actually say is in it. Ask some questions. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, our goal is to improve this whole community of hunters. We want people to be healthier. We want people to take them their, their health seriously. We want people to enjoy the outdoors more and just enjoy life more. Um, by any means necessary. And if that means that you're not shopping with us and you're buying other products and you're trying other stuff, then good. If it's working for you, then good. Um, it, that's kind of the unfortunate nature that has created in this hunting industry where you have influencers that are driving kind of like public opinion. Um, and you kind of create these like this and them and, and like adversarial, like look about, you know, whether it's, you know, your 
you, the camo you wear, the optics you use, the weapons you're shooting. Um, you know, we're all kind of in this thing together. And especially when it comes to nutrition, our mission is that, and our goal is to improve the lives of our customers, but a step further is just to improve the lives of this community. Um, so if there's something that another company is doing that really resonates with you and gets you to take your health more seriously, um, I'm not going to stop you. You know, that's, that's, that's a good thing. That's, that's a positive step. So, uh, I posed this to, to some of the Patreons and one of them asked about, uh, the, the very Midwestern deer camp. Uh, what about a hangover recovery? Um, you know, you're out at deer camp, you have too many, uh, sodas with the boys. Uh, what, what is the best, uh, hangover recovery? <laughs> oh man, the go-to. So we actually just came out with a product a few months ago, uh, called rescue hydrate. Um, and so for the forever, like, honestly, the best hangover remedy that I ever knew of was a Superman, which is our energy and focus and our hydrate and recover. You mix those together. Um, and it makes you feel good as new. But we developed uh, a new product called Rescue Hydration. Uh, we initially developed it for folks who are, I mean, really, they're already suffering heat stroke, heat illness. Um, they are dehydrated and they're struggling to get out of the wilderness or they're working and they, they've stopped sweating and they're really in a bad situation. But consequently, it also is very great for hangovers. Uh, we have some ingredients in there um, like aloe vera gel powder um, that really helps calm nausea and stomach stomach like up uneasiness um and typically when you're hungover your stomach doesn't feel like like you know all that great so you mix a hydrate and recover and a rescue hydration together and shit throw an energy and focus in there too i um it's tested and proven we test it all the time um how well it turns your day around so it's uh yeah that's a no-brainer we we're that's that's kind of goes goes with us everywhere and then one of the other things um, that they had asked about was um, I, you have something for um, altitude sickness, um, mm -hmm. uh, climatization, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. But with that, like, A, kind of like, how does that work or what is that actually doing? Um, and then mm -hmm. along with that, is there something to, provo uh, to prevent or avoid um, – you know, altitude sickness and or dehydration at altitude. Yeah. Altitude sickness is a very uh, challenging uh, like symptom to nail down and like f thing to, to, to figure out um, how altitude advantage our product that, that um, helps with acclimatization and dealing with altitude sickness, how that works um, is one of the key ingredients, like one of our, our highest active ingredients in there is called ginkgo biloba extract. It, it, it helps you, your body produce more red blood cells. Uh, red blood cells are your key, um, oxygen transporting cell. So by increasing the volume of red blood cells that are present, um, even by a small amount, you are able to increase the amount of oxygen, oxygen that is transported through the body. Um, I will say this, that Altitude altitude sickness is as evasive as, um, I mean, the common cold. You don't know when you're going to get it. You don't know if you're going to get it every time. There are people that I talk to that have been going to 8,000, 9,000 feet to hunt their whole life, and they don't. They feel great. They never get it, and then one day they do. Um, there's a lot of things at play, hydration levels, your exposure to low oxygen density in the air, like how often you do it. 
um, your conditioning, your cardiovascular conditioning, that can play a role too. Um, one of the things that we always recommend when you get, when you're a guy who like lives in the flatland and you're going to go up to hunt at 8,000, 9,000 feet, hell, even 6,000 feet, you don't really know. I mean, every, typically most people get it around 7,500 to 8,000 feet. And then above that, you're, you're almost like increasing your chances. Uh, I personally, and I, I know this sounds very specific, but there's a hike that we do every year. 8,100 feet always seems to be right where I feel it. Um, and what I always tell folks when they're getting ready to do something like that is you take altitude advantage for five days prior to going up. So you get the, the that, that ginkgo biloba in your system, the vitamin C, the vitamin E in your system. Um, but you also start drinking hydrate and recover while you're climbing. So Hydrate and Recover has a thousand milligrams of vitamin C. We have additional vitamin C and altitude advantage. Vitamin C is very good at drawing uh, fluids and electrolytes into your soft tissues. And one of the more common symptoms of altitude sickness is hypoxic cramps and hypoxic soreness. So hypoxia is literally just, it just means a lack of oxygen. Um, and by being able to deliver more fluids to certain areas, you're not going to feel as much of that like stiff joint, uh, stiffness. Um, you know, it can help with headaches for sure. And it tends to be uh, a downward spiral because you start to feel nauseous. You start to feel not great. You stop wanting to drink very as much as you normally do when you're getting sick. Um, and then you get dehydrated and that only compounds the symptoms of, of altitude sickness. So, Having a really good balance of electrolytes in your system as well as fluids is is definitely very, very helpful. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to understand that it is somewhat of a, it's an unavoidable thing for some people. You're going to deal with some form of feeling different. Altitude Advantage does a great job at helping you feel as normal as possible. For some people, I mean, it works like I feel like a totally normal person and that's the, what the goal is. And, and that's great. Other people, it's just going to, you know, diminish their symptoms in a natural way. You know, if you're someone who really struggles with um, altitude sickness, you know it, and you're afraid of it, um, like where you get um, vertigo, or you get nauseous to the point where you're throwing up, I would look into some more drastic means, you know, prescriptive means, the doctors, they have some, I think Diamox is one that they can prescribe. And there's some other things. Um, especially if you're going like 10, 12,000 feet where the, the, uh, the, the stakes are just higher, the higher you go up, you know, the less dense oxygen in the environment that's available. Um, but that being said, we, we do a lot of, we sell a lot of altitude advantage and you would be surprised how often guys will call, they'll forget it and they'll have us like overnight it and spend a lot of money to have us overnight it to some small town of wherever it's nearby where they're hunting because it can save your hunt, you know? And if you're not prepared for that, you, you ought to be, and this is kind of a warning to do so because for a lot of these hunts, you know, we don't get but four or five days to do it, maybe a week. And we spend all year saving up for it, planning it. Maybe it's a year, a tag. We took 10 years to draw. You don't want to spend, half that hunt or more in your tent or just feeling like shit, you know, you want to kind of have a good insurance policy and just do everything you can to make yourself feel as, as normal as possible. So, um, you know, some other things you could potentially do, and I know it's not always an option, but if you can try to climb elevation in a more regimented, slow manner, you know, like if you guys are ultimately base camp is 10,000 feet, 
maybe try to spend a night on the way up, you know, spend a night halfway up. And that's not always possible. You know I mean? We're, we're trying to get to camp and start hunting as soon as possible. So I get it. But, uh, gradually climbing in, in altitude is, is definitely a, a better way to go for your system. Uh, it allows it to adjust more naturally rather than just rapidly. All of a sudden you're, you know, going from 4,000 feet to 9,000 feet. That can be pretty jarring. Um, but staying hydrated, being in good shape is always going to help, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Those are the big questions that I got, got from them. And, uh, I think you sent me both of those, uh, hydrate and recover and the, and the energy one. So, uh, I'm yeah, actually, yeah. uh, on this weekend here, uh, I'm on the board for this, uh, craft beer festival. So like the light bulb went off and I'm like, I am definitely <laughs> going to try this. We're going to make sure, yeah. uh, to, to get some feedback there. So uh, yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. No, I, <laughs> if you need it, man, uh, go drink one right before you go to bed. And then another one, when you wake up, it'll, 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 like it'll you'll be in good shape <laughs> perfect perfect um yeah so one thing before we close out that we usually sure. ask and like my co-host is uh he's building the house and he's super busy uh, so he hasn't been on here and i've been forgetting uh to ask but what is your bow setup my bow setup um i've got a holy uh 30 foot carbon defiant so i think it's the 34 axle axle um, it's like a four or five year old bow, I think. Um, I love it, man. And I, I, I shoot my bow less than I, I used to and not as much as I want to now, but, um, every time I'm thinking I get that itch to maybe upgrade into some one of like one of the new red works or just trying a new bow, I then pick up my bow and I shoot lights out and I realize why am I going to fix it if it's broken? You know, I mean, if it ain't broken, like it's, it's, it shoots great. Um, it's it's a great bow. I love it. And then what are you shooting for? Like a sight and uh, arrow setup, broadheads, all that. It's a HHA. Um, I think it's their, I want to say it's their kingpin, I believe is the sight. Uh, right now, actually, I am, I'm still shooting like deep six full metal jackets. Um, those are, I, I have a new set of arrows that I need to completely Re, like set up my bow for just because the deep six I know is just something that's kind of getting phased out. My broadhead selection isn't as good. Um, but I've, I've really been liking, um, I shot a, a, actually back in January, I shot a mountain lion, uh, with my bow and I, I chose to use a fixed blade and I, I believe it was a, I mean, it was a three blade I'm trying to remember. It's a grim reaper. I think it's the micro Hades is what they call that. Um, and for my, for this particular situation where you're not shooting a great distance, mountain line up in a tree, I really wanted a clean pass through. Um, I just figured, you know, my, a fixed blade was just going to minimize the variables of what could go on. So, um, that's what I'm shooting right now. And if I do go out in a few weeks, it's probably what I'm still going to be shooting just because I have a lot of confidence in the way my arrow flies with that, that broad head. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's the setup. Awesome. So, uh, where can people follow along or if they want to order some wilderness athlete where, where, or they want more information, like where can they figure that out? Yeah. So our website's wildernessathlete.com. Um, all of our products and everything you've ever want to find articles on our, on our products information is all on our site. Um, our Instagram is just at wilderness underscore athlete. Um, you know, we, we, we share anything there that's just, you know, 
fun, cool stuff to look at on Instagram. We also do some cool product video stuff and product uh, upload stuff there sometimes. Um, but, you know, I think for anybody who ever has questions, if they're just not really sure where to start, we've got a lot of products uh, and it can be overwhelming. If you're not sure where to start, if you've got a question about any one of our products, you know, just email us. We've got incredible customer service or you can call, you know, we've got um, an incredible team of, of very knowledgeable people with all of our products. And we love helping customers. Like that's one of the, that's one of the things about our company that I I'm very proud of is just that we, we love genuinely working with people and helping people. And that's, that's why we do this. So don't hesitate. If you're kind of wondering, hey, you know, which protein is the one I should go with, or, you know, what are the top three products I should be doing? If this is my goal, um, make it easier on yourself and just give us a call or shoot us an email because we're, we're we love to help. It's, it's definitely not putting us out any, it, it, it helps us be better at our job in the, in the long run too. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, Kevin. And, uh, yeah, well, uh, I'll definitely be following along because I want to see some of that, uh, this yacht hunting that you speak of. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'll be, that'll, that'll actually be an episode of uh, the Western Hunter in, uh, I guess next year, next season. It, it might make this season. I don't know, but, uh, yeah, you'll see it. Hopefully it's fun to watch. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it.